Welcome to Hope Signals, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries. You can learn more about what we do at lifeontheverge.com. You can listen to our music at theplunders.com. I always say this stuff at the end of the podcast, but I felt like I needed to start putting it at the front. Uh, We do this podcast, or I do this podcast, really, uh, just as a way to kind of give back to folks. Um, Some of you give to our ministry, and it's the least I can do. I I read a lot, and I I say, Lord, I know God's put it in me to kind of distill ideas to maybe motivate and help us in uh, living life well. And the last series I did was called um, Go Make Stuff to motivate us to use the creativity that God has put in us because that brings such fulfillment and it can be such a blessing to other people. I'm so glad somebody somewhere uh, had a vision and a dream to create this MacBook that's in front of me, uh, this microphone that's in front of me, uh, this soda that I'm drinking. Uh, You know, creativity can really bless other people, and so I hope that you are living a creative life, and that looks different for everyone. You know, I had someone email me or text me, uh, you know, that that I'm they think was thankful that I mentioned in the podcast that creativity, you know, and art because I use the term art a lot, um, isn't just. Uh, the arts as we think, music and poetry and writing and painting, that is art. But then you think about Donald Trump's book, The Art of the Deal. That was how to make business deals. It's an art, right? Sport can be an art. Cooking can be an art. Carpentry can be an art. Uh, whatever it is that we we take the already created things, uh, God made everything out of nothing. We can't do that. We can only put together the created things and, and in a way that helps other people and blesses other people. So this series is going to be called Making the Sale. Now, you may think that you're not a salesman, but we are all salesmen. Let me pause right there and and say, man, we, my wife, if I sound funny on this podcast, I still got a little bit of stuffiness going on, but my wife and I picked up a cold from my granddaughter about two and a half weeks ago. It took three or four days to kind of sit in and let us know, guess what? We picked it up and we have been wiped out. And it made me think when I was going through it, you know, I mean, you know, the hacking and the nose running and the whole bit, couldn't sleep at night. And you know what a cold, it can be absolutely miserable. And it made me think about, you know, folks that are dealing with what they may call terminal illness or serious illness and the season, man, that there was a hope during that cold. You know, I'm looking at how long does a cold usually last? And I'll be honest with you, after basically two weeks, this is the first day that I feel about 90%. And I am thankful that there was light at the end of the tunnel, right? And that's not true for a lot of folks. You know, I've got a friend that was a captain with the Norfolk Police Department. I actually think he retired an assistant chief or a major or something like that. And he picked up leukemia, you know, later in life. You know, he was elderly. And the light at the end of the tunnel for him was eternity. And thank God that we have that. That You know, I'm getting off track here. But it's wonderful to think that no matter what this life throws at us, in the end, we wind up with Jesus. We wind up in eternity forever where there are no more tears, no pain, and no common colds. <laughs> so thank God for that. But how do we find meaning and purpose to our days now? 
You know, one of the things I struggle with sometimes is losing motivation. You know, we have what I've termed funky days where we just, you know, we just can't get out of it. We feel like we're under a cloud and and we really want to know why. Why try, right? So, with all that in mind, let's talk about this idea of making the sale. And make no mistake, you're selling something. We're all selling something. Just like art isn't just defined as poetry and, and songs and all that stuff, selling isn't just defined as, you know, the salesman at the used car dealership, okay? Um, we are all looking for someone to buy our product or our, our idea, our creation, our invention, our perspective, right? We're all trying to, pay. well, the word sale, okay, in the primary sense, I got this from Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Um, it says the primary sense of sell is simply to deliver or cause to pass from one person to another. Whether it's a, he didn't say this, this is me, whether it's a chicken sandwich or a widget or your view on abortion, we're all in a sense selling something. We're trying to pass our product or our idea, our perspective onto other people. We're hoping for buy-in, aren't we? This podcast is an attempt to sell you on biblical concepts for prosperity. And by that, I mean not money. Money can be part of it, but uh, I'm trying to sell you on the concepts of a successful journey. That's what the biblical word prosperity means, by the way, or prosper. Um, a meaningful existence, meaning to our days. Uh, you know, the the plunders, uh, Susan and I, and the band that we're taking, Life on the Verge, we're getting ready to go on tour again. And I'd ask you to pray for us. We're going down to Mississippi. We've had some a few challenges, this cold being one of them, it's really hard to sing. It's really hard to hold a guitar for hours and rehearse songs and do all the administrative work when you feel miserable. We've had one of our guitar players came through COVID. Praise God, he's okay. We've got another artist that um, he's not part of our band, but I'll be playing for him. His name is James White. Pray for James. He is uh, coming through COVID right now, and he's due there as well. The first week of Mar weekend of March, we're supposed to be in Mississippi for a huge event, kind of unprecedented thing at a, at a very, very violent, uh, dark prison in our nation. Um, the Lord has opened the door for ministries to come in there. And we're believing this is the beginning of revival, which by the way, praise God for the Asbury revival, the things that are going on there. I pray it ignites um, just Christians all over the planet, to be honest. Uh, you know, our country sure needs it. Anyway, side note. Um, but I hate to use the word sell because we're not selling in the sense that we think of selling, you know, I'm going to do this as an exchange. I, I like that the Webster doesn't say deliver a cause or to pass from one person to another in exchange for money or favors or something. He didn't say that. It's just the passing of the idea. Okay. So, but we are looking for buy-in when we go to, when we go down there, we're, we are, not selling. I mean, I guess in the sense that I'm saying this, we're trying to pass along the idea of God's grace. So w that's to the inmates, but we also have to sell donors 
on the idea that this is worth it. This is a biblical mandate from Christ himself. He said, I was in prison and you visited me. So we have to convince people. We have to convince people of this idea. We have to pass it from one person to another to raise the funds to do it. And the word for doing that, by the way, another word is marketing. Okay, we can't fundraise without marketing. You can't pass your idea, your creation, your perspective. You know, whether that's a a, a podcast or or a blog post. Why do you do those things? Well, you're trying to pass an idea on. Well, Seth, go you you do that with marketing. Seth Seth Godin defines it like this: Marketing. I love this. Marketing is the generous act of helping someone solve a problem their problem. Marketing helps others become who they seek to become. I like that. Uh, behind all of this selling and marketing, by the way, and, and please, let's keep coming back to the idea that we're not just selling a chicken sandwich. That may be your deal, but we're trying to pass on our idea, our perspective, hopefully our maybe our unique uh, idea or perspective on something um, why do it? Why do all this work? Why try to pass the idea on? Why work hard? Why craft vision and cast it? Why make stuff? Why try to sell our product or idea or perspective? Well, the answer is pretty simply, or pretty simple early in life. You know, you want to, you want money for pizza at the skating rink. I used to go to the Olympic Skateway when I was a teenager. That was the big high school thing, maybe even middle school, um, to go to the skating rink. Well, that was fun. You had to have money to do it, though. And and you always wanted to have pizza or a slice of pizza and a, and a Coke. Man, I can still taste that pizza. It was really great. At least I remember it as being great. Uh, well, if I wanted that, I had to make money. And, and so I had to sell my labor. You know, I cut grass. I babysit my little cousin. I did whatever it took, did chores around the house, and I exchanged my labor for money. And the same is true as we get older. You want to move out of your parents' house. You want to buy your first car or own your own place, or you want to get married, feed your kids, pay your bills. And all these scenarios, we're trying to sell our labor or ideas, our creations, our very selves in exchange for money to meet basic needs, and sometimes some of our wants. And, and this is noble, of course, don't get me wrong, um, but it's also the very least noble reason for work, which again is what we sell in exchange for money. Um, I, I read this quote last week, I can't remember where, but it said a salary is what your employer gives you in exchange for forfeiting your dreams. Man, that's that's pretty huge, and it's not an indictment against anyone. I'm, I work for employers most of my life, still do. Really, our all every one of our donors is our employer, you know. But I, I I try to keep a higher perspective of that, that I work for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Okay, at whatever I do, whatever you put your hand to, work at it with all your heart, not as unto men, but as for the Lord. I think that's Colossians three twenty three. Listen. This, this whole thing is why, I har- you know, this quote I just read is why I harp on the idea of vision, by the way. If, if we're not careful, we'll wind up in a miserable job making a living and not making a life. So if we, you know, Paul said something along the lines, he was talking to people that were bond slaves, people that were slaves, and he was saying, look, 
do the best you can where you are. He said those, I think those words, as a matter of fact, in Colossians were, he was talking to slaves, like, don't do it just, don't work hard just when your master is looking, work as if you're working for the Lord. But then he went on to say, if you can gain your freedom, then do so. Okay, so if if we have the freedom to have vision and to go after our dreams and the things we'd rather be doing, a, a preferred future, then we should do that. Okay, but even if we don't, we should do whatever it is that's in front of us with all of our might as for the Lord. I, I might be getting sidetracked a little bit here. Um, but that said, we can find deep purpose and meaning in any work if we understand the why. That's behind it all. Why? Why do this podcast today? I mean, it certainly isn't an exchange for, for money. We don't have any ads on our podcast. I'm not making any, I don't have a massive listening audience. A few of you donate to our ministry, and I thank God for that and hope I'm trying to kind of give back and do what I can do. Um, ultimately, your reward is from the Lord. But that said, we can find deep meaning and purpose in any work if we understand the why. And all of this becomes more obvious as we get older. Uh, maybe as we realize that we got the goods, that we can, you know, in the, in the you know, we, there's a lot of uncertainty when we're younger in life. Have I got the goods? Can I pass the test? A, a, can I get a job? Can I get that first job? Can I make it through school? Can I do this? But then we eventually, we, we come to a confidence in ourselves, hopefully, that we can find ways to earn and meet our basic needs one way or the other. Um we, maybe we come to realize that the American dream isn't the end all. We, maybe we've got the house and we've got the cars and we've, we've got a decent amount of money in the bank and we can take vacations, and, but we, we don't have a sense of meaning and purpose, things that can't be bought. You know, why do people who seem to have it all end up miserable to the point of substance abuse and even suicide? Well, Where's the the deeper meaning for the work? That the, you know, look at some of these folks that seem to have effectively made the sale. Uh, they exchanged whatever they peddled for great sums of money, yet they can't keep their marriage together. They can't resist destructive habits. And I'm not indicting anyone here. We all struggle with sin, okay? But they have no joy. You know, I read last night a, a famous celebrity's husband took his life. And I know there's mental stuff and all that stuff. And, and again, I'm not indicting anybody, but... Where's the joy? You know, some, sometimes people knowingly exchange their values. They intentionally sell things they know are wrong that may hurt people in exchange for money because they bought into the lie that that's the end all. That's the why, to have a lot of money, to have a lot of stuff. And, and that's why Paul wrote the love of money. Not money. Money's a great servant, terrible master. Uh, but the love of money is the root of all evil. There has to be a deeper why. Why make the sale? Why market? Why work so hard? And again, we, we are all selling something, right? We're all trying to pass something on to other people. Why, why do this? Well, we know that God put us on this earth to be creative and industrious, to bear fruit with our lives, to grow. Uh, we, ha we 
get a sense of value. We feel growth when someone buys into what we are offering. Um, I think about the, the Super Bowl just a week or so ago. I guess it was almost a week ago. Um, those guys, man, can you imagine how much work it took to for those elite players to end up in that place and time? I mean, all the way back to, who knows, Little League or you know, Pee Wee League football, all the workouts, all the effort to get to that moment. I mean, what are the odds, right? And, you know, I thought when the, when the Chiefs won, um, Travis Kelce, Kel, Kelsey, yeah, um, I mean, maybe not a football fan, but it was quite a game. And uh, his, one of his first comments, if not his first comment, to a reporter, he said this, this was, this was Kansas City Chief, by the way, Travis Kelsey. I think he's a tight end. Um, very, very great player, and they had just won the Super Bowl. And a reporter sticks a mic in front of his mouth, and he says, not one of y'all said the Chiefs were going to take it home this year. Not a single one. Feel that blank. Feel it. And on top of that, next time the Chiefs say something, put some respect on our names. Man, they had done it. They had made the big sale. They had proven that they were the best despite the naysayers. But then again, big deal, right? I mean, this would be an unforgettable moment for sure. But if the only reason Travis Kelsey plays football was so he could gloat, that would be, in the words of Ecclesiastes, meaningless. To be able to stand on top of your treasure pile and look down at others to say, I did it, I win at life. That's not going to bring deep meaning and purpose to your life. Tim Keller wrote a fantastic book, and I encourage you to read it. It's called Every Good Endeavor, and it's all about our work. And I'll quote this. He says, Ecclesiastes is an argument that existential dependence on a gracious creator God, not only abstract belief, is a precondition for an unshakable, purposeful life. Now, we assume that, a lot of people assume that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, but you find the word meaningless. Some translations say vanity a lot. Now, assuming that it was Solomon, one of, if not the wealthiest man to ever live, he had it all. Whoever the philosopher was, the writer of Ecclesiastes, had it all. Everything this life could offer, everything under the sun, but here's what he said. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Now, my guess is that he sold whatever he had to sell um, for the motive, the reason, the why, was to acquire power, to acquire things and stuff, and he found it to be meaningless. Tim Keller goes on to say the term under the sun is crucial to understanding the perspective of the philosopher, the writer of Ecclesiastes. In general, it refers to life in this world considered in and of itself apart from any greater or eternal reality. The quest of the philosopher is to have a meaningful life based solely on what can be found within the confines of this material world, achievement, pleasure, and learning. In other words, the why for making the sale to deliver, to, to pass from one person to another, has got to go deeper 
than this life, deeper than what's under the sun. It must be done with eternity in mind. Keller mentions that many push through the rigors of medical school, for example, ultimately to exchange their learned skills, okay, to sell their learned skills in exchange for a paycheck instead of the deeper meaning to bring health and wholeness to others. Now, that's not an indictment on doctors because it's true of many people no matter what their profession is, okay? Uh, The person that's selling that chicken sandwich I talked about, are they doing that just for the paycheck? Well, it's not going to bring much depth and meaning, you know, the excitement when you get that paycheck, we learn as we as we live life, don't we, that it goes much deeper than money and stuff and things under the sun. So how do we bring deeper eternal motive to the why? And I'm going to get to the word here in a second, okay? And I know all of this may sound very basic. Uh, as Christians, we should understand a deeper why, but it's a little more challenging at times. I'll tell you, you know, I don't always feel like doing this podcast. I don't always feel like all the manual labor it takes and all the brain power for the administrative side to do what we do, uh, going into prisons and all that. I don't always feel like doing that. Um, I'm a flesh creature, and so are you. So how do we somehow get in touch with that deeper why and live from that deeper why with internally in perspective, no matter what it is you do, by the way, whatever work, whatever you put your hand to, how do we do that? Uh, Listen, we can do very, very noble work, by the way, and still end up missing the point, still feel meaningless, like what difference am I making? You know, you know, we can, we can do very noble work, even in ministry, and end up being rejected by Christ. Well, that is heavy, okay? Matthew 7, 21 through 23, let me read it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. This all goes back to what was the motive? What was the why? As I pondered all this this morning, you know, man, it's been a challenging couple of weeks. Let me tell you, um, the the to-do list is never ending, and I've been absolutely exhausted. You know, I'd get up in the morning and I'd push through a half a day sneezing and coughing and hacking and blowing my nose, going through a box of tissues and just miserable. But I had to, you know, when you're sick, sometimes in the morning, you got a little more oomph. By the afternoon, man, I was just starting to flatline, you know, by evening, I was, I was done. And you usually really start to feel bad and then I wouldn't sleep well. And there had the motive to do anything even, you know, you can't, we're all going to have days where we're we're funky, we're sick, but we can always do something, right? Or maybe, you know, I talk about vision and you've got a grand idea of something that you're trying to do, but you're kind of, you've boxed yourself in uh, to a job and you don't have a lot of time, but you can always do something. But, but there's got to be 
a why. There's got to be, you know, we're well supplied right now personally. You know, we have food in our fridge. We've got some extra meat in our freezer. We've got uh, decent working vehicles. We've got a roof over our head. We're doing great. Uh, so why? And, and I know that just more money, okay, a bigger house or a nicer car, more money in the bank, is that really going to bring meaning to my life? No, I know what's going to bring real meaning, and it goes beyond the sun, so to speak. It's not under the sun, it's beyond the sun. And so I've, I've got to tell myself there is a why that's greater. And uh, hopefully I'm not getting too scrambled here, but as I pondered all this, even this morning, I thought about the great commandment. You know, Jesus said the greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, this is the great why, by the way. Uh, you know, when making the sale, when trying to pass your work, your product, your perspective, or your idea uh, onto other people, it takes a deeper meaning, um, the meaning that God wants us to have in this life. Uh, key word, and the word that defines the why is love. But here's the issue. We are flesh creatures, and we cannot love the way the Bible defines love without Christ. We just cannot. And e even as we walk with Christ, we stumble and we bumble through it. Jesus said this, I think it's in John 15. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, you might say, well, good. People have built kingdoms that weren't Christians. People have built massive celebrity careers. People have mega mansions and people have done all kinds. They've helped all kinds of people, you know, hungry people. They've, they've, they've healed the sick. They did all kinds of great things for people. What do you mean they can do nothing? He was saying you can do nothing that is going to make an eternal difference without him. In the end, it'll all be meaningless. When we look at love, we, we've got to find, you know, the Bible says that God is love uh, and, and he's trying to love others through us. We can't, we cannot do this on our own, friends. Listen, we, we and even then, like I said, we stumble and we bumble. Um, we fall down and we have to check ourselves and say, you know what, I'm not doing this out of love for my neighbor. I'm doing this to, to make a sale and get some money or to get some position or, or power or whatever. It, when we look at the word love, we've got to define it. You know, there's different ways the Bible uses the word love. But when we look at, at love as a, to define it, one of the best ways to define it is to look at what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, which should be basic to all of us. But it's good to go back to because it has to be the foundation for why we do what we do. If I speak with the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship— that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We can't do that apart from Jesus. What's being said there is, you know, Mark, you know, I can say we've performed and ministered to and shared the gospel with 200,000 inmates all over the country. We've did this and we've did that. Jesus is going to say, but was love the motive? And here's the thing. You, you may think you love, but you only really find out if you love or that your love is authentic when the pressure is on. Patience isn't proven until it's tested. Kindness isn't proven until it's tested. Can we really not envy or boast or, or be proud or not dishonor or not be self-seeking or not be easily angered or, or not keep a record of wrongs or not delight in evil and rejoice with the truth without Jesus? Can we? I'm, I'm going to go a little over, but I want to finish this, this first part and we'll stay on this topic because we are all trying to pass along Whatever it is, okay, God's got your needs, okay? The Bible tells us that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So don't just work to meet your needs. And we need to work. Don't get me wrong. And, and of course, by work, I mean selling, whatever it is. That's what you're doing, isn't it? You're passing your idea, your product, whatever, uh, on to another person. But if we've got to do it for a deeper meaning other than the exchange of money. So... I've told this story before, but bear with me because it's part of what I, I'm trying to convey today. And again, I might go five, even 10 minutes over. So if you don't listen to the whole thing, shame on you. Anyway, I, it was Christmas 1996. And uh, you know, let me give you some perspective. Like many of you, I kind of detest salesmen. I'm sorry, salesmen. I'm talking about your typical retail salesman. You know, hey, can I help you? No, if I wanted your help, I'd come find you. You know, you know why? Because I'm questioning their motives. Do they really want to help me? Or are they just trying to make the sales so that they get some money, right? That's what we're thinking in the back of our mind. So we were coming up on Christmas and computers were all the rage. The internet was beginning to become very prolific. It was out to the world. And my children were elementary age and even younger, preschool, and I wanted them to have a computer. And uh, and I didn't have much money. You know, I was a youth pastor making kind of beans and uh, feeling very fulfilled in my work, but I always wanted to provide better for my family. And, and uh, I went to Circuit City just to look at computers. You know, I talk about, you know, you got to bring vision to the miracle moment. I didn't even know what to look for. So I started researching computers and had my eye on a couple of them. Why was it Circuit City, rest in peace, by the way? Again, I've shared this story, but listen to it in the context of this podcast. Um, while I was in Circuit City, I saw a sign that said they were hiring for holiday help. This was probably Thanksgiving 96. Um, we were down in Virginia Beach at my mom's house, and that's where I saw the sign. We were living in West Virginia. And uh, I glanced at it, you know, no interest whatsoever. And then at some point, while we're still in Virginia Beach, uh, I went to get my hair cut. And I got out of the car, and lying on the ground beside my car was this beat-up, tattered, ragged, well-read, well-used book that I'm holding in my hand right now these many years later. 
It's a book called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Ogmandino. I had never really heard of Ogmandino. I just thought, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if it was before or after I read it, but I was seeking God. I was kind of in a pit, and I felt I, I felt like an angel put that book there, and I was supposed to read it. And so I've, I've read through the book, and it's not my favorite style of book. You know, it's um, kind of a parable, and it's about this very, very wealthy Middle Eastern man, I guess way back in biblical times, and he was, on, he was near death. He's extremely wealthy, had it all. And his name was Hafid, and he had a servant named Erasmus, who, Erasmus that had been with him for many, many years. And he knew that he was dying. He knew he didn't have much, long, much longer left. And so he figured he would give his most valuable possession to Erasmus, his favorite servant, which wasn't his money. It was the secret to how he had acquired his money. And it was, I think, 10 scrolls. Again, this is Ogmandino kind of scripted this thing like this. And he gives the prescription, uh, well, Hafid gives the prescription to Erasmus that he needs to read these scrolls, read each scroll every day, three times a day for 30 days, then read the next scroll, then read the next scroll. What he's saying in the book is that we should, the reader, should read the scrolls because they're in it. There are secrets to success. So... I read it, you know, and and I went back and I started to read the scrolls. And uh, in in one of the, uh, the the second scroll, I believe it was, it really stuck on me. And it, let me just read how it starts. It, it says, Hafid writes to Erasmus, Now this is the greatest secret of success in all ventures. Muscle can split a shield and even destroy life. But only the unseen power of love can open the hearts of men. And until I master this art, I will remain no more than a peddler in the marketplace. I will make love my greatest weapon, and none on whom I can none on whom I call can defend against its force. Now, of course, there's a lot more to that particular scroll than that a few pages. But it was all about, do people see love in my eyes? And when I read that, I realized, you know what? I bet I could be a salesman if I checked my own motives. And, 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 and I really tried to sell people computers because I, 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 lo- I let Christ love through me that I want the, the best for them. I really do. And, and, uh, and so I ended up, apl- I got back to West Virginia and I applied for the job, a salesman something I never saw myself doing. And, and I was very successful at it for the short time I was there, only a few weeks, and I earned the money and got a discount on the computer because I was an employee at Circuit City. Um, they really they wanted to keep me on, but I couldn't hack it, full-time youth pastor, and I was probably doing three days a week at Circuit City. Um, but, and, and, of course, I was met with resistance from some people, you know, uh, because they looked at me the way they look at other salesmen, like my motives were impure. And I got to see some salesmen who had very impure uh, motives. There was a computer back then called Packard Bell. Anybody remember those? Well, they were going out, and they were not the best. They were, you know, bottom of the line kind of thing. But you made big commission off of those. And I saw guys intentionally try to sell sell those computers instead of the best one. They weren't thinking long term. A good salesman thinks long term. I want this customer to come back. I want them to know that I'm really in this for them. And even if they don't see your motives, 
God sees your motives. And so my point in all this is that the why we're trying to sell our product, our idea, our perspective, even our testimony, it's got to be love. That's got to be the ultimate why. But we cannot do it apart from Jesus. I really don't think we can. But if we come back, you know, when Jesus said that, he said in John 15, 5, in context, he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You'll bear fruit. You'll find meaning. You'll find depth if we remain in Christ. And this is why it's so important that we, some versions say, abide in Christ. And I'm preaching to myself here. We have to keep coming. You know, the other night I watched, um, there's a YouTube video. It's Paul Washer giving the definition of the gospel. And, you know, there's a lot. I, I just recently read uh, Brandon Man- Brandon Manning's book, Ragamuffin Gospel, again. And, and I love it. It's a, it's a good perspective, a good book. But there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they don't bring the definition that Paul Washer brought, very basic definition, to what is the gospel. And I watched that. It's about maybe five or ten minutes long. And, man, it brought tears to my eyes to be brought back to the perspective of what God has done for me, that he's canceled the curse, that while I was in my worst state as a sinner and a rebel against God, that's when he demonstrated his love toward me. And when I keep coming back to that, I'm like, Lord, let your love work through me somehow. Let it be, let what we do, the work of my hands, the thing I'm trying to sell or pass on to someone else, let it come from a genuine heart of love because I know in and of myself, I cannot do that. I need you to love through me. You know, often I don't feel like loving people Jesus can relate. Listen, he didn't feel like going to the cross. And if there had been a plan B, he would have took it. But there wasn't. For love, he went to the cross for my sin. Sounds very basic, doesn't it? But if we keep coming back to that, you know, even in the the sacraments and communion, we're reminding ourselves in remembrance of him and what he did You know, Martin Luther is famous for saying that our vocation is a mask of God. You know, maybe in the next podcast, we'll look deeper into that. You know, how do we wear that mask well in the marketplace and determine when is the good time to take it off and maybe get more overt with our testimony and and that kind of thing. But the essence of this is that we're all selling something, whatever it is. Okay, it's not just trying to sell the gospel. Ultimately, if we can share the gospel with people, we want to do that. But we're, we're trying to make a living, right? We're trying to sell our ideas, or, or we're trying to convince people of a perspective, an approach. Um, love has got to be at the core of that, love. And when you read the news today, I, I look at the, the news probably way too much. I fast from it sometimes, but... You know, I bounce from Fox News to CNN to the Wall Street Journal to, you know, the local news. And and it's, there's so much bickering. It, it, it really isn't much different than middle school, is it? Somebody said this. Somebody did that. Let's cancel that person. You're not in the club anymore. It's so childish. And, and what it's devoid of, a lot of it, is where is the love? 
So let me just encourage you to remain in Christ and do what you do, ultimately, to demonstrate His love to other people. I believe when you do that, you will be more effective at making the sale, so to speak, (coughs) excuse me, but more importantly, you'll find deep meaning because you're living for something beyond the sun, not under the sun. Bless you. I hope that helps. Have a great week. Sometimes falling angels fly Just a reminder that Life on the Verge is a debt-free, fully donor-funded 501c3. All your gifts are tax-deductible, and we appreciate them. You can find out more at Life on the Verge, make your donation there, or you can find the address to mail your gift to. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate you so much. God bless.